0: You're listening to The B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. I have a really great guest today. He is Mo Shehu, founder and content lead at Column, which is a content company that helps businesses grow through content mo welcome to the show i'm really happy to have you on
1: thanks for having me on jeremy
0: yeah and you know mo and i connected on linkedin as as i connect with a lot of people that i bring onto the show and i just want to say linkedin is a really cool platform you know mo you're based in south africa right that's correct yeah so you know We probably never would have just sort of randomly run into each other or found each other if not for a platform like LinkedIn. So, But it's really cool that we did because you are a very interesting marketing, B2B marketing leader. And so I'm really excited to dive into our topic today. And our topic is, it's something that you said when we talked just the other day to prepare for this interview. And you said that one of your mottos I think both kind of personally and for your business is content is your edge. And I like that a lot. It's, it's intriguing. And so I want to start by asking you, what do you mean by that? So I'll start off with how we met, which as you already
1: mentioned was LinkedIn. So for context, I saw a podcast that you'd done with someone else and they posted it on LinkedIn and I went and I checked it out and I love the insights and I went over to the website And I saw all this other content that you created. And I said, this person is extremely interesting and I would love to have them in my network. So I found you through your content and then you reached out because I'd been posting, you know, these like thoughtful comments under your content. And so content brought us together, which is actually a great segue to this mantra that I kind of live by and work with that content is your edge. And what I mean by that is, because content is how you communicate with the world, if you work, especially in B2B, your business and your career are almost entirely built on content. And content is how people find you. Content is how you communicate what it is that you're selling and the benefits of it and why people should buy from you and why they should pay attention. And in this day and age, you know we're, we're recording this in 2023, the need for better content has only gotten more acute, especially when you have things like ChatGPT that has just come out, The search engines are making big inroads with AI in their products. So companies and individuals need to stand out even more. Now, content isn't just about what you write. It's also about what you say. So it's not just like written blogs. It's also your spoken sales calls. It's not just social media posts. It's also podcasts like this one we're doing. It's not just your sales decks. It's also what you put in your investor financials. So we talk a lot about how content is your edge and how content transcends marketing, which is how a lot of businesses view content today. Mm -hmm. They think of it as, okay, we're going to put out a few social media blog posts and, you know, uh, social media posts, and we're going to put out some some blog posts for SEO. But content goes beyond just that. And hopefully we'll get a chance to talk a little bit more about that, how content permeates and actually supports the whole company.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we're definitely going to talk about that. Before we get to that, I want to I want to ask you about something else, though, like in, in what you were just saying, I think you mentioned that, you know, content is your edge. Right. And that good content can lead to like what we're doing right now. And I, it, you make a great point that, you know, it's through our exchange on LinkedIn, which happened, of course, in the form of content, kind of like everything does. One thing kind of led to the next. And now we're actually talking and having a conversation, which is, it, is its own sort of special kind of content. That works if the content is good, right? Yes. Not just any content will necessarily spark, you know, the kind of relationship you're, working, you're looking for. So, so I, I, I guess I want to ask you, like, an extremely broad and open-ended question, but, you know, what makes content good? What makes some kind of content stand out to make you say, like, oh, wow, there's okay, I want to learn more. You know, I want to go to the website. I actually want to meet this person or this group of people. You know, what does that look like for you? So a little bit of context here. When I say content is your edge, as
1: you probably know, edge is another kind of word for a sword, a knife. The whole point of content is to cut through the noise. Mm. So when we say content is your edge, we mean content is literally the thing that's going to allow you to cut through the noise and reach your customers and reach top job candidates for your company and reach investors who are going to fund your business. So the whole point of content and content marketing and, and content sales and, and HR content and all the other different forms of content is for you to continuously continuously sharpen your edge. In other words, doing the things that make you special within the market that you're playing in. You cannot sound like everybody else. You have to lean on that which makes you special. So in your case, for example, that would be conversations with subject matter experts. Now, sure, you could Write white papers, right? You could spend the rest of your career writing white papers and you'd probably be pretty good at it, but that wouldn't be your edge. Conversations like this are what have allowed you to build such a successful podcasting business. It's what has allowed you to reach almost 300 episodes because you're good at this type of content. So for businesses, it's not so much about what type of content they create is what makes them unique within the market. What's their point of view? A lot of content nowadays, especially from an SEO perspective, is black. There's no perspective whatsoever. You know, people are saying the same thing everyone else is saying. They're trying to hit as many keywords as possible. There's no perspective. There's no angle. There's there's, there's no bite, if we can put it that way. So your sword is dull. And as anybody who's ever used a dull knife will tell you, it's Mm. actually more dangerous to cut with a dull knife than it is to cut with a sharp knife. So a sharp edge, a sharp content edge is not only good for your reader and your customer, but also for your business. Otherwise, it's just a terrible experience for everybody.
0: Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, I love that analogy of content as like a sword, like a cutting instrument that you have to keep sharp. I think that really kind of captures a lot of, of the, the larger discussion about content and like what makes content good. You're right, it cuts through. But but how? You know, how how do you cut how do you fashion content to cut through? And I and then I think you're bringing up another really good point which is that you're right like for me because I'm in the podcast world, I specialize in podcast content and over time I've gotten better and better at doing these kind of interviews to the point where I'm very, pretty confident I can do this well and create content that is going to stand out because I've practiced it a lot and I'm, it just sort of, and it comes to me naturally to a certain degree. Whereas writing white papers, like I don't know if I'd be good at that or not, but it just, it wouldn't even make sense, you know, just because that is a kind of content that people produce. I'm not going to do it because I don't know how to do it. I don't think it would serve my business very well. You know, it doesn't, And I think that matters for any content marketing function because it's like you should should gravitate toward the things that you can do really well, right? And that makes sense for your business as opposed to trying to do everything under the sun and do everything maybe okay. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, Jeremy, you've kind of answered your own question there of what makes good content great. It boils down to expertise, and expertise is a function of immersion. So you've been immersed in the podcasting and the radio world. You know, for, for people who are familiar with your career, you've worked in, in radio and podcasting for, what, two decades now? So you've been doing this for a very yeah, long coming time. Up. You've been in, yeah, you've been immersed in the podcasting and radio game. And for a lot of companies, you can tell that they're not immersed enough in their subject matter which is why their blog posts come off as black, which is why their social media posts don't really catch your mm-hmm. eye or your attention. And the way for you to immerse yourself and create immersive content that your reader then gets lost in is for you to either really know your stuff or to talk to the people who know their stuff. So in your case, you do the second one, right? You talk to people who know their stuff yeah. so that you can immerse yourself in their world and glean their insights, which then allows you to create even better content that attracts more subject matter, sorry, to create better content that attracts more subject matter experts so that then the cycle just keeps going. And so the grinder just keeps sharpening that knife over and Mm. over and over again. So it, it boils down to how well do you know the subject matter and how deep are you willing to immerse yourself in it? I was posting on LinkedIn earlier today where I said, you know, eventually people will come to realize that subject matter expert conversations backed by research and data are the only way to create effective content in 2023 and beyond because these things require deep immersion. When you speak to a subject matter expert, you're basically pulling from their years and years of experience. It's refined gold, right? So you're pulling that out and you're using it to craft content. And the good thing is your readers, your customers, your buyers, your partners, your your, your future employees – they can sense that this is good content because it comes from somebody who's been immersed in it. And they can tell that you're taking the time to speak to these experts to give them content that's actually going to solve their problems. Another way for you to immerse yourself is to just be around communities where experts in your subject matter talk about this stuff. So if you're a marketer, for example, are you in communities like Superpath or Demand Curve? Are you speaking to other marketers and salespeople in Rep Genius? Are you hanging out in, let's say, the BAMF Facebook group or any one of the other various marketing communities out there? Are you active on marketing Twitter? Do you have your ear to the ground, in other words? When When you've got your ear as close to the ground as possible, you pick up things that other people, your competitors, just can't glee because they're not close to the action. And that's what makes good content. When someone reads it and goes, man, it feels like you've been doing this for a very long time and I can
0: trust you and there's that aspect of credibility in your content. Okay, great points all. So, so just to kind of hammer home the point, right? You're saying that immersion in the content, whether you yourself are the content subject matter expert or you're interacting with enough subject matter experts to be able to absorb it and then bring, use, the, use their voices, right? And bring them into your content. I would add just one more thing and I'd love to get your take on this that that is immensely important as is then executing the content actually producing it so for example for a podcast right i might be you know i might be good at like reaching out to subject matter experts and getting them but if i'm but if i'm not good at interviewing them if I'm not good at producing the podcast, then it it sort of doesn't matter, right? If the audio sucks, or if the way that I'm interviewing doesn't really, you know, set up the guests to talk about the thing that they're really interested in. And, or I do too much talking, kind of like I'm doing right now, you know? So I think you also need to be expert at, at the, the, like the technicalities of actually producing the content. Like, you know, you've mentioned that there are so many like thought leadership blogs or just blogs generally that come off as just kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And I think there are at least two reasons for that. One is that the writer, the creator isn't immersed enough in the subject. And so it comes off as a kind of surface level thing. But I also think that often the writer just isn't that great of a writer, you know, mm-hmm. that they're okay, but nothing special. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think a really good writer, like a truly professional superior writer can take just about any topic and write it in a way that's going to jump off the page you know that is hard to do it takes years and years of practice to get that good at writing say or podcasting or video production and i think there's probably just given the pressure to produce content there are probably a lot of content marketing teams where you you have you, you find the best person that you can to do it Mm-hmm. But are they the best person out there to do? Like, what level is their, where is their skill level? Mm-hmm. It might be, you know, kind of somewhere in the middle as opposed to as high as it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to stop talking because I'm going on and on. But, but what do you think about that? I mean, I think, again, my point is executing the content, actually creating it. There's a whole other skill set that's aligned with that. You're 100% correct, Jeremy. And to kind of emphasize your point, I'm going to
1: use a mining analogy. So think of creating creating great content as being able to find, mine, and dig up the gold and then cut and polish the gold, right? So that's two different skills. Now, you might be really good at finding the subject matter experts and maybe interviewing them. But if you don't know how to turn their gold into a polished product that you can then sell at the jewelry store that's going to be a terrible experience for anybody who's trying to buy that gold ring, for example, for their partner for Valentine's Day, which is, which is coming up really soon, mm. right? So, so, so it's these two skills, really, that content marketers and content teams need to master, which is where can we find the absolute best pieces of insight? There are some people, some content marketers, you know, fantastic, they know how to write, but they're just not mining deep enough or they're just not mining in the right places. And so the gold that they're working with is no great to begin with, right? And then there are others who have access to subject matter experts. Say for example, you work for a company that sells through sales teams, right? You probably have a VP of sales or a sales leader somewhere in your company that's a subject matter expert. But if you cannot turn their thoughts into insights, into content that you can then use across different channels, then it's almost as if you don't have those insights, right? It, it's like you found a, a piece yeah. of gold ore on the street and you went and gave it to your grandma. like. She's not going to be able to do anything about it. But if you take that gold ore to a professional cutter, a professional polishing company, they'll be able to turn it into something that you can sell
0: for even more money because now it's polished and it's something that people want to buy. Right. So you have to invest in it by by having the right people in place to execute, right? And so those, those things are, of course, sort of inextricably intertwined. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And there's, a lot more we could, I'm sure we could explore about that. But I wanna I wanna shift now to, to something else that you said, kind of the, the other, I think important point you were making is that content has come to be seen as sort of the like the bailiwick of of marketing, you know, of content marketers. And in places like LinkedIn, um, I definitely see conversations about content marketing, you know, like the con the conversation we're having now taking place amongst marketers. I rarely see somebody from HR or sales or whatever chiming in about, well, here's my take on content and content marketing. It seems a little bit like a bubble where it's like content marketers talking to each other, which is fine. But your point is content exists far beyond the bubble of the marketing function, right? Every function in any company is producing content all the time. So, you know, say, say, more about that, that, that each of and given that that's the case, then not just marketing, but any function has to have a content strategy, right? Mm-hmm. If they're going to be putting out content. So like in your experience, let's just take a hypothetical, like for an, an HR function, they're producing all kinds of content. How would you approach this? You know, say in, if in, in your business, you're working with a company and you want to advise HR on their content strategy or just what getting them even to think of themselves as you know, producing content? How do you go about that? Yeah. So I'm going to take a step back here and, and give a little bit of context that might be helpful.
1: Actually, part of the reason why I named my company Column is because content is the column that the entire business is built on, right? It's the main pillar. So we talk, we've talked about marketing and, you know, blog posts, emails, thought leadership, white papers, press releases, social media, podcasts, research. But sales is also content, right? Outbound emails, pitch decks, that's all content. What you say on yeah. phone calls, what you put in proposals, that's content. If it's not good content, you're not going to convert anything, right? Engineering and product, they do product documentation. They have user onboarding sequences in their apps. They need to put together development processes, especially to align everyone in async environments. Your finance and investor relations function is all content, right? The best story wins for fundraising. You need to be really good at storytelling. That's content. Your quarterly board meetings, what do you tell the board? Your analyst calls, what do you tell them? That's all content, right? And coming into to HR, so 75% of job seekers consider your brand before applying for a job at your company, right? That's literally three-fourths of all job seekers will consider your brand before applying for a job. Now, if you're a visible company leader, especially a visible HR leader, you've got a far better chance to sway candidates to you, right? So if you think about in the typical candidate journey, the first interaction a candidate has with your company is most likely going to be the job ad. A job ad is just content, right? You're telling them what they can expect how they're going to contribute, how you're going to value them, what chances of promotions or advancement they've got in the company. But top candidates aren't going to just read that and stop there, right? They're going to do their research. They're going to go on LinkedIn. They're going to look at what your people are saying about the company and about the work that they're doing, right? So savvy candidates don't believe your job ad wording about your perfect culture or how your family, okay? They're going to do their research, now, if you're an invisible HR leader, especially, right, or an invisible hiring manager, you barely post content, your, your presence on LinkedIn is sporadic, you're leaving a lot to the imagination, which isn't always a good thing, especially if you don't have a strong employer, Brad. So without your perspective as an HR leader or as a hiring manager, the only thing left for the top candidates to base their decision on is your Glassdoor reviews and messages on the blind app which is not something you can control, right? So HR content strategy is about controlling the narrative in a way. How do you present the company to top job candidates in the field? And there's many benefits to this, right? You can build your employee brand equity. You can hire faster with fewer resources because now you're attracting them to you. It's more inbound rather than outbound recruitment. You can perform employee training faster because you've got better content for onboarding. You can communicate your company values more effectively you can boost team morale and improve retention. You can showcase your entire work environment. So something as simple as a video of your team working together or at an offsite or at a team building event, this is all content. And, you know, this stuff might seem frivolous, but this is what top candidates are basing their decisions on. They don't know what it's like to work at your company. So your content is the only thing they have to go on. Well, that and your financials and the news and the press and all that stuff. But all of that is content in in, in its own way. So you can communicate critical research findings to your network through content. Say for example you just discovered that 40% of the American workforce for I'm just making this number up but let's say you discover that 40% of the American workforce is now working parents. As an HR leader or as a hiring manager you can kind of talk about what does that mean for your company? How are you guys adapting to that? What affordances and benefits and and, and you know just perks are you giving to young parents in your company because you don't know whether the top candidates in your industry are themselves either young parents or thinking about becoming parents. So they want to know, how do you think about this stuff? So HR content strategy, it lets you marinate the best in your
0: industry long before you ever post your first job ad. Yeah. Wow, great. Really good point, which leads me to another question. So, you know, let's say I'm an HR leader. I I think, and I'm really just assuming here, but I think typically if HR is like okay we need some employer branding content you know for all the reasons that you just described let's get in touch with marketing and tell them what we need and have them create you know the 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 stuff and then publish it is that the best strategy or is there an argument to be made that no i me as the HR leader my team we need to create our own content it's going to be more authentic we know there's no way marketing can know HR and like employer branding as well as we do, because we live and breathe it every day. What do you make of that? That's, that's a great point you're making, Jeremy.
1: And, you know, I don't think it's a, an either or thing. I think it's an also and. So this goes back to our earlier point that the closer mm. you are to the action, the more credible and the more believable your content is going to be. So ideally, you want the HR team creating this content organically. I'm a big fan of building a content culture at organizations. I think everybody should be involved in content and not just marketing. So it's actually in the best interests of the company for the HR leader to get more active on LinkedIn, for the HR business partners to be posting about the experience and for the HR function to then be working with the marketing function on how best they can distribute this content, how best they can produce this content. So whether that means, for example, the HR leader has some new research they want to speak about and marketing helps them get press a press release out or get an interview on a cool podcast hosted by Jeremy Shear. You know, it's, it's a way of how do we work together so that we can put out the best, most effective content about the whole company. And I think marketing, you know, they're not necessarily useless in this regard because they're also employees in the company. So they can definitely speak from their perspective, but again, the whole effort needs to be aligned.
0: Yes, indeed. And you know, I think there's a lot of talk on LinkedIn about this, right? There's a couple people I follow in particular, you know, shout out to Steve Watt if he happens to hear this episode. But Steve is, he's been posting on LinkedIn for years now, kind of about LinkedIn and what works. And one of his main points is that it used to be that you would maybe repost a blog from your, you know, your company's blog a repost some update or hey, we won an award. And you would repost that on your personal channel, you know, your personal LinkedIn page. But that that does not work anymore if it ever really did. And now it's all about individuals, whatever your job is at the company, having your own having your your own personality on LinkedIn and kind of posting mm-hmm. independently, not to plug your company, but to just to mm-hmm. to connect with other people. And just be a person, you know, just be you. And so if you're an HR leader and you're like, okay, we, we need to have a strong employer branding strategy, one part of that, and, and I think this is part of what you're suggesting is I should be regularly active on LinkedIn as an HR leader, not just yeah. talking about our company, but talking about myself and my thoughts about HR and what constitutes a good work culture and, and stuff like that. You know, I'm not trying to sell anything. Just trying to communicate and and connect with people and offer interesting thoughts, right? And then that doing that regularly can be a very powerful part of a larger marketing strategy.
1: I totally agree, Ben. And if we're talking about the same Steve Watt here, the the seismic guy, I I agree. I've seen his content. I think it's yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yeah, Steve is one of the very few people who understands the social in social media. He's got it for he's gotten it for a very long time. Yeah. And I wished more people, especially more marketing leaders, understood that. That the whole point of social media is for you to be social with people, to form these genuine connections. Like you mentioned, you know, you don't necessarily have to be trying to sell something all the time because people can sense that. They know that you're biased by default. They know you're trying to get them to see your company in the best light. And it's not so much about posting that, say, for example, your company just won a new award. What does that win mean for you? What went into that win? What was the work behind the scenes that people may not be aware of, right? That's what people want to see. People want to peek behind the curtain and understand what makes your engine, your company, your business engine tick. That's the interesting stuff. We know you got an award. It, you know, you're, you're an award winning, blah, blah, blah. Sure, absolutely. But what work went into that? That's the fun bit.
0: Yeah, 100%. That's, that's such a great example, right? What do you think about that award? What does it mean to you, right? What, is, what are, personally, right? That's, that's the kind of content that I think is, people are starting to understand, ah, that's, what, that's the kind of content that's going to have that sharp edge and cut through. It's unique absolutely. because it's your own thought. You're not yeah. just parroting something else, 100%. Yeah. Well, Mo, we could. I could easily, I think, spend the rest of my day with you just sort of chopping this up and talking about it. But I know, I'm sure you have better things to do. So I'm just gonna ask you one last question and that, and that's what's the best way for people to connect with you?
1: I would say LinkedIn. So I'm very active on LinkedIn, a little bit on Twitter as well, but LinkedIn and email, is one of the best ways to get in touch with me. And if your content is great, more likely I will probably find you first.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well we're we're gonna link to your LinkedIn in the show notes and linked and link to your company. So I encourage people to connect with Mo. It's a very it's it's a good thing to do. I know that I have benefited immensely already just in the short time that we've been interacting. So Well, thank you. Thanks so much. This was a fantastic discussion. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Jeremy, for having me on and for you and Arantz making this a
1: really enjoyable conversation. Appreciate it.
0: That's it for this episode of the B2B content show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's c-o-n-n-versa.com.